Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Talk Saturday. No respect. No honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years, they give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. WGR Sports Radio 550. Good morning, everybody. I'm Corey Griswold. Sports Talk Saturday, 11 o'clock on the AM. I will be here with you till 2 p.m. Filling in for Nate Geary, Sneaky Joe DiBiase, basically everybody else on the depth chart. Um, It's the preseason for everybody, which means that the backups get playing time today. That's why I am here speaking to you for three hours. We will have Sal Capaccio, who is not a backup. He is uh, in the trenches now for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. He will be joining us as he arrives back in the 716, returning from Detroit. Uh, He'll talk to us a little bit about the preseason game that took place last night and uh, all the guys who ran around on the field uh, hitting each other in the head. We'll also talk to Pat Malacaro this morning uh, at around 11.30, talking a little Bisons baseball. Speaking of people back in town, uh, the Buffalo Bisons have returned, and they are doing well, absolutely sticking it to Rochester the past couple of days. Uh, so we will catch up with Pat, talk about the Bisons a little bit, how they were doing in Trenton, what we can expect with them back in town, and generally what's up with minor league baseball uh, a little bit. Uh, so we have some exciting stuff to talk about. If you would like to join the program, I mean, you can. 803-0550 is the phone number. one 888 is the long-distance number if you find yourself uh, across the country or across the globe and you simply can't resist talking about preseason football. Um, is Are any numbers ha- – do any phone numbers still have tolls on them? I mean, I was just instinctively going to say the phone number's toll-free – but, like, do tolls still exist for phones? I mean, is that a thing still? Have you ever even – has that even crossed your skull? Like, when's the last time not, you called the 1-800 number? Uh, not for uh, 
a one eight hundred number probably recently for like a customer support line, right? Not a toll free line. No, so like I, yeah, I don't. I'm assuming it's toll free. If if there are tolls, uh, as simply when you get your bill from your landline telephone that you're calling from, simply write back to your. Uh, telephone company and tell them that they can forward the costs of that phone call to one Howard Simon at WGR Sports Radio 550, and those uh, costs will be uh, taken care of for you. So uh, I w- I am here. TJ Luckman is here. He is the DJ today. Uh, he'll be hanging out with us as well. Uh, he has to. He's got to press the buttons. But um, we, uh, him and I were both here at the station last night watching uh, the football game. Um Mostly out of obligation. I have to be honest, I probably would not have watched a ton of the game last night if I didn't have to because it's just not my style. I don't. There's not a lot about that preseason action that gets me hyped up for football, generally speaking, because it's bad. It's bad football to watch. So I don't want to watch bad football. If I wanted to watch bad football, I would go back and watch the actual Buffalo Bills games from about 2005 all the way through to 2018. But... As I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, we are in a new spot because we still broadcast ESPN Radio in, on Saturday mornings, so you can hear kind of what the rest of the nation's talking about. And ESPN Radio is like, well, here we go, it's the preseason, are you excited for it? And I'm like, no. But there's a reason for that. And almost all of the promos, almost all of the discussion that's taking place when they're talking about the preseason is, man, look at all these quarterbacks that we got to figure out if they're any good. Look at what look at what the, you know you have the Jets you have the Packers you have um yeah you know, Chicago that the Bills will be going to next week all of these different new there's new dudes let's talk about the new dudes are the new dudes going to be any good and we absolutely do not have that concern in Buffalo at all we don't have to worry about the new dude we have our dude our dude was wearing a bucket hat last night so like our we're good actually so the anxiety about the preseason of like, I got to watch because I don't trust the quarterback, which is basically where we were for practically 20 years as a city. Um, We're not in that spot anymore. And I'm, you know, I keep thinking about this and if something were wrong, we'd know it by now. Guys have been covering training camp long enough so far this year that if Josh Allen were regressing, we would hear it. Folks like Sal, you know, other guys who cover the team, like, you know, your John Scotts, your Thad Browns, the crew, right? Your your regulars out there at training camp. Somebody would be getting on Twitter and seeing, oh, no, he put it in the hospitality tent. Like, we'd hear it. But remember we haven't. When that was the thing. <laughs> remember those days? That yeah. that that phrase, hospitality tent? It's like the point you're getting at, though. I, 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 I know what you're saying. Like, just, we don't really have to worry about much no, anymore. We don't have to worry about it at all. And to have that kind of like, no, really, are we good? Like, that was going to be the season. This season is like, no, for real. Is it like, are we cool? And I think we are because, again, if something mechanically or decision-wise was really going wrong with Josh Allen, that would be revealing itself already. He would be missing guys. He would be missing guys. Like, he can't, he can't hit the deep ball again. He, he lost it. He lost a touch. We haven't heard anything of that nature so far from training camp. So we're cool we're cool everybody's cool we're cool so now that we're we have enough i think evidence even without seeing josh allen play at all that he probably will not regress 
unless he just loses his cool in games and makes wild decisions, which you can't see until the game actually happens. But mechanically speaking, he seems fine. We're good. So now that we have that pretty much agreed upon, we are now in the spot of, okay, so for like the next 10 years, the Bills are just going to be good, right? For a decade? Are we looking at how long? Like, Allen is what, 24? 25. He's 25? So, like, yeah, I mean – Allen plays a particularly physical style of quarterback. If he stays healthy, I mean, he's going to take more hits than Aaron Rodgers does. And Aaron Rodgers is 36, and he's great. Yeah. So, like, is Allen going to be great till he's 35, 36, which gets you 10 years, which gets you a decade plus of the Bills, for sure, challenging for the division. If not, challenging for the conference. So, now we're in a different spot. Now we have to pretty much rearrange our psychology around how we approach basically all of all of this that we've been doing with the Bills. It's not about like the who's deck that the guys in the morning show have been doing for the quarterback for the past couple of years. Like we don't, you know, the joke was like, who's the running back though? Is your thing? It's like I didn't really care. It doesn't add it doesn't have the same juice. Um so you have the most important part figured out. Right. That like especially since the league has transitioned to basically making the quarterback the entirety of the offensive aspect of the league. Everything flows through the quarterback. Even with the even the Titans have Derrick Henry, who would be probably widely accepted as the best running back in football. He's not the reason they're winning. The reason they're winning is because Tannehill was having such a great year. Because he's super efficient. Right. So, like, no, that's the quarterback, man. And the Bills have one, and he's good. Great. So now what do we do? So what do we do? We watch Greg Rousseau. Like that? Who are the kids? Good. Do, have the Bills drafted well? Do these guys look like they can make an impact? Rick who looks tall and fast. That's exciting. Um, what about Ed Oliver? What about all these other parts around the team that can help them find success? This is where kind of uh, where we focus our vision. But that will be longer term. That's not something where you're living and dying by every play. With the quarterback, you live and die by every play. Like because every play is an opportunity for catastrophe as a quarterback. Yes, for greatness, but sometimes they don't call the greatness plays. They're like, just throw a 10-yard out. But if your dude throws it into the hospitality tent, a 10-yard out is an adventure every single time. So you you watch your young quarterback, and you're like, is this the moment where we he throws a pick six, and all of us look at each other like, we have three years of this. We don't have that stress. So now the preseason's kind of like, uh, you know, you take it easy, you kind of relax. You're in the Mike Robitaille situation. You just you lay back. Let the game come to you. You sit back. You relax a little bit. So, I i mean, if you have thoughts about the preseason, bring it in. We'll talk about it. We'll see where we're going. thats You're more than welcome to do so. Me, I'm waiting for the season to start. I do not have enough concerns to make every single preseason game that the Bills are going to play that anxious to me. You know what I was thinking about last night the most was Tyler Bass. Is he gonna like? Cause that that's a position where it can go real fast as a kicker. All the, you miss three kicks in a row, and all of a sudden everybody's looking around the room, right? So like, is Tyler Bass good or not? Okay, you still got it. Great, you still got. It. We're good. And all right, let's get out. I didn't. I did not care if they beat the Lions. I don't care if guys who would only see the field in absolute emergencies were taking bad penalties to move the Lions down the field in the fourth quarter. I don't know. No, I don't care about that. Like, the, I'm sure the Bills do. They don't want to look bad. But I don't. Fans probably don't. Like, nobody at all cares, right? And uh, 
Sneaky Joe talked about this on the postgame show last night. Probably the most interesting thing to take place in the game last night was the decision-making by the Lions at the end of the game when they basically decided not to try, where they they took a sack on uh, 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 with like 10 or something seconds left in the game. They had plenty of timeouts. They could have taken a timeout and ran another play if they wanted to, and they just didn't. Just didn't want to. They wanted to get out of there just as badly as we did. And I deeply respect that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as Joe mentioned, that's not necessarily the aura that coach in Detroit gives off. And they fired their trainer after the game. Like, that's fun. Like, but that's not fun in a good way. If If you're rooting for the Lions and... God bless you. Joe Yurden, if you're listening, we are keeping you in our thoughts and prayers. But if you root for the Lions, and that's how your first preseason game went, they quit on the last play of the game, everybody wanted to go get a sandwich, also we fired the trainer. Like, your morning's more exciting, but in the worst possible way. When did the Bills get reliable, I guess? Like, how did, like... Because it didn't start this way. I know we like to talk about Brandon Bean and we like to talk about Sean McDermott as if they are these rock-solid, almost sages that just do everything right. And I distinctly remember sitting in Rochester, New York with my friends, watching the Chargers game and watching Nathan Peterman be the worst modern quarterback in NFL history, mostly because the coach decided to play him. And that coach is still here. That's Sean McDermott. To the point where they kept Nathan Peterman on the team and the Bills were the laughingstock of the NFL. By choice. And now, here we are in a totally different reality where Sean McDermott is widely respected by his players, widely respected by the city, widely respected by the league, and took his team to the AFC Championship game last year. This stuff, honestly, in my lifetime, does not happen in Buffalo sports. We are in totally new territory, and that territory is competence, where you can simply trust that people can do their job and do it correctly. And in sports, man, I mean, like, even when you're good, you don't necessarily get that. Like, what are the teams in the NFL that give you that sense that, like, you can just relax, right? Even like in Pittsburgh with a coach like Mike Tomlin, you can still find people in Pittsburgh who are like, they got they got to go. Like, no, we got to get rid of this guy. It's time to go in a different direction. Like at any, at any moment, you know, it's going to start collapsing. I talked, I have, a, I have friends in Pittsburgh who root for the Steelers and they can't believe it that they still hear people talking about like, it's time to get rid of Mike Tomlin. Like, it's just, you can't really ever take for granted a moment where you just don't have to have something in the back of your head telling you, yeah, but like, watch out. Like there, like McDermott did not coach a good game against the chiefs in the AFC championship game. Some bad habits fell in too conservative. Sure. But do I feel like he has lost the grip on how to manage an NFL team and how to keep it prepared and how to get it into the best spot it can be to be a productive team and to be a successful team in the league? Absolutely not. Am I going to need to see him in another spot like that change his behavior? Yes, I'm going to need to see that. But he already kind of has previously. Like, as again, played Nathan Peterman. Doesn't do that anymore. So he learned from his mistakes. That's great. The Bills' offense was lightning last year. And I think a lot of that has to do with how 
Sean McDermott approached how he wanted his team to play. And he had a reputation as being an extremely conservative coach before, and he does not have that reputation anymore, which is what made the Chiefs game a, a, so, you know, a little bit, you know, making us a, a bit dyspeptic watching it was like, oh, no, this is old McDermott. But that saying that, like, this is old McDermott implies that there had been a change. There was a new McDermott. He wasn't doing that stuff anymore. Willing to go for it on fourth down. Willing to be aggressive, right? Stuff like that. Willing to let Dable be creative, right? Stuff like that. So I don't, as much as I did not like that game plan, and as much as the vibes were bad during that Chiefs game, and I could just feel like, no, they ain't got, they ain't got the juice today. They're not going to be able to run with them. That did not affect my long-term outlook for the team as much as I feared it might have in the aftermath of that contest. And here we are, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. What They had their second-best wide receiver absolutely take a flamethrower to the offseason for what probably Sean McDermott would want his team to produce in the offseason, which is nothing. Like, you don't talk about it, we're here – funny tweets every now and then from the team account. Other than that, everything's fine. But that's not what took place. And here we are in training camp, in the preseason, and there does not seem to be any long-lasting effects to that controversy to what has happened with the team. I don't see Jerry Hughes going over and knocking, you know, Cole Beasley's teeth out on the sideline. Like, that has not taken place. And they were getting into each other online. I have not seen Josh Allen as the quarterback and now the face of the franchise for a very long time do anything in public that would make you think he's lost the grip on the room or that he has taken guys aside and chastised them or that he's rubbing... Like, that's not happening with him. Like, they have weathered that remarkably well. And there were, I mean, I had a lot of concerns with, um, would they be able to meet the protocols that the NFL would set? What would their vaccination rates be? Would that affect the team? Would that affect how they would progress? Um, that doesn't appear to be an obstacle for the Bills at all. The vaccination rates in the league, generally speaking, are very good. They're north of 80%. That's even taken into account how bad the Vikings are. Like, the, so that means the Bills have got to be on the other end of that. We don't know for sure. I don't know the numbers for sure, but I'm just taking, I'm making you know deductions here about how good the Bills have been. That takes a very subtle sense of care to manage, you know, the, that kind of diverse locker room that they have and make it work. The last guy who could do that was Marv. Like, the Bills of the 90s, man, and, like, Steve, Steve Tasker is on one Bills Live. He'll tell you, that room was full of, as, you know, USA would say, characters. Like, there were dudes in that room, right? And to make sure that that team functioned correctly, like, Marv had to do a lot of work that maybe nece- didn't necessarily show itself. What was it? Was it Andre Reed's Hall of Fame induction where he literally turned to Marv and he was like, I don't know how you kept it together, and, like in classic Marv fashion, just turned to the other Hall of Famers on the stage, was just like, I don't know how I did it either. But the Bills were successful in that area a lot due to just how Marv was able to manage personalities. And this is a very good, I think, sign for the Bills going forward in how they've managed personalities well. And that comes down to the coach, and honestly, it comes down to the quarterback. The quarterback has set the tone. Josh Allen has set the tone in that regard. 
I didn't have any expectations for what kind of leader he would be. I don't think you can. I think that's unfair to put that kind of pressure, especially in the NFL, on like a 21-year-old kid, 22-year-old kid, to just be like, yeah, by the way, you're going to have to make sure everybody in this room gets along. You know, sorry. That's the gig. That's not easy to do, especially considering the kind of pressure he was under for his own performance, where he, his, he was not particularly great his first season. There was a lot of doubt as to his ability to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in the first place, a lot of it well-founded. And he was able to overcome that in terms of his gameplay and also able to overcome that so that he could just like manage a room effectively. I think in terms of, man, in terms of the intangibles... And in terms of just stability, the Bills might be in the best shape they've been since the 90s. And that doesn't just mean because they had a good season. There are plenty of teams that win 13 games that are absolutely held together by duct tape. Like, teams can have those kinds of years and just fly apart. Case in point, Atlanta Falcons, who played the Titans last night and were terrible, and you already have Falcon fans being like, I'll, I'll see you guys next year. Right? Like, that's another bad preseason. Like, you can have good seasons and have it all come apart, man. I don't feel that's coming here. I get no sense of that. There's no evidence to show like this could fly apart. Injuries are a different animal. This as the season progresses, who knows how that goes? Like, it, it, can you keep everybody on your team and can you keep them healthy? Will they stay protective over time? Different animal. But like, will will people lose their skill set that you can't necessarily quantify by a forty time? I'm not getting that sense at all. Sean McDermott is still a relatively young coach in the NFL. He's got a long time to be in this league if he wants it. Josh Allen has got a long time to be in this league if he wants it. And they both, I think, weathered an extraordinarily difficult year for all sorts of reasons. Um, in probably the best way you could possibly hope, barring a championship. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I can't ask for more. And now we're looking at a situation where they seem to be just as good. Great. Okay. So, what do we do? <laughs> what am I going to talk about the defensive line for four weeks, I guess? I don't know. I mean, that might be fun in itself. I like I like your question about where the turning point was, though. Where did it turn? I, I, I think I have it. Like, I have the moment it turned. Let me hear it. Okay. Fourth and one from the 30. The offense on the field. The, the snap is dropped. Josh picks it up, trying to dive forward. He gets first down yardage. Are they going to give it to him? I believe they will. Josh Allen dropped the snap and then picked it up and dove over the pile. That was the Dallas game. That was the Thanksgiving game. Yeah. That was on national television. That game, I think, that lifted every. That gave me the positive outlook I've had for for the Bills since then. Like since that game, since that moment, I can pick out that moment. I, when you said it, I, I went and looked for this exact clip. I knew exactly what I was looking for. I think that's when the mindset really changed for everybody. There was that stretch where we were all looking at each other at the, towards the end of the season in, in 2020, and we were like, okay, this is where the wheels come off, if they come off. It was they went on the road on Thanksgiving to play the Cowboys, then they had the Ravens, then they had the Steelers, and then they had the Patriots, right? Yep. And – like that stretch of games um, in 20, this is 2019, right? Yep. Uh, 2019. This is 2019. And in that stretch of games, they split them, right? So they beat uh, the Cowboys, uh, lost to the Ravens, uh, beat the Steelers, yep. lost to the Patriots. 
and they would end up going to the wild card game, losing to the to the Texans. But like it was in that as that you're right that Thanksgiving game where it's like, oh, this is a prime time game. Whole country's watching it, yep. and they look cool. Yeah. And so they looked cool. They did the deed. Um, their personality shown, like Trey White stealing the turkey leg, was fun for everybody. Um, that yeah, you're right. Like that stretch of games where you're like they can hang here, and you felt like. More importantly, you felt like the Jacksonville playoff game where they barely got in and they needed a miracle to get in. The The Bills figuring that out and being more stable and getting into that game against the Texans, even though it didn't go great and Josh still had stuff to learn. It's like, oh, cripes. Yep. That, that moment in that stretch of games made you feel like it wasn't a fluke. Like, it was like, okay, so now we're a contender here routinely. And then we had last season where it was like, oh, we're a, not just a contender for the division. No, we're a contender, contender, contender. And last year from from week one, you were practically comfortable. Right. Like, like it was just like by Denver, it was like, all right, let's get the division. Let's get to the playoffs. Like, we're, we're already thinking about sitting guys at that point. You know, the moment where I felt like it, there was that, that Cowboys moment where you felt like, okay, the Bills are kind of – they're okay now. Where I fe- felt like, no, they're good, is when they put the Steelers down. Yeah. That game against the Steelers, and the Steelers are starting to fall apart, and the Bills just get them, just like pow. The, the renegade. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and like that game felt like, okay, yep, here we go. I, I agree with that. I think I think it started at that fourth down, but that, that Sunday night game where the Bills hadn't won a Sunday night prime. They hadn't won any primetime game. They won a Thursday night, but that's like a new thing. Right. Less people care about it. Like Sunday and Monday night are like your nights. And Thanksgiving. And like they came, they they proved, they went, and like, again, Josh had that fourth down, proved a lot of people, you know, you proved a lot of his doubters wrong in that game alone, I think. Yeah. Um. Because, I mean, that's not the only play he made. Uh, he had, a, I think he had a 15-yard touchdown uh, towards the end, uh, really just put the Cowboys away. And it was a game where you really were like, wow, the Bills confidently and very handily beat a decent Cowboys team on national television. Everybody watching. Yeah. That's something you hadn't experienced in a long time with, with the Bills. And now that, and you know, now they've been rewarded for that. They're going to be on primetime a ton. Like, people now expect the Bills to be good and, ex- more importantly, I think, expect them to be fun. And, folks, don't we love it? Don't you love to see it? Fun football? We love to have fun here. It's 11.25. We're going to have Pat Malakar around uh, after the break. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the Bisons and some minor league baseball, major league baseball. We'll talk about um, America's pastime uh, with uh, the voice of the Bisons, Pat Malacaro. I'm Corey Griswold. That's TJ Luckman. It's Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Bangers only on a Saturday. That's a fact. That's right. Uh, TJ Luckman, the producer. I'm Corey Griswold. I'm here with you until 2 o'clock today on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Uh, The Bisons are back in town. We love uh, to see it. Uh, Feeling the Bison thunder, feeling the Bison beat, things of that nature. Joining us now on the West, her hotline is the voice of the Buffalo Bisons, Pat Malacaro. Uh, Pat, thank you for joining me uh, on a Saturday. I really appreciate it. Um, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, Corey. It's, uh, glad, glad to chat with you here today. It's, it's been a while, but uh, beautiful day here at Salem Field as we're getting ready for what is game five of a six-game set and see if the Bisons can win five straight against this Rochester team. I'm going to ask you about what is going on with the Bisons very recently because they look like they're just tearing through um, the Rochester Red Wings. But I want to ask you this because you and I 
um, kind of hung out together very early on in our radio careers here at WGR. I think you and I showed up at the station roughly around the same time in the mid to mid two thousands. And buddy, there is nobody that I respect more for the amount of work that you have put in to get to where you got to go, man. You really started from the bottom and now we're here in terms of broadcasting baseball in the United States, which means that you have seen probably more than a lot of other people, the transformation that has taken place in minor league baseball over those years that you have been a broadcaster. So now here you are with the Buffalo Bisons back in Buffalo, back able to do broadcasts with you and Duke McGuire um, that you can hear on KB 1520. And it has been a wild past year and a half, two years for minor league baseball, not just with COVID, but also with realignment. So I'm going to start with COVID. How have you approached coming back to the game? How much of it just seems like old habit and how much is different? How much have you missed? Like, just talk about that experience as a broadcaster of coming back and doing games again. Yeah. And my experience is more unique than even everybody else in what is now triple and East. Because, as you mentioned, you know, the Bisons were playing in Trenton, New Jersey. They were not home uh, for the first two and a half months of the season. And when the season got underway in May. So I was watching Bison games, watching uh, Greg Caserta, who did a great job in Trenton, call the games. And whether it was social media, uh, game notes, all the things that I normally do for a Bison's game, uh, when I'm calling a game as well, I was doing all that but call the game. So my situation is a little unique again this year. Um, and to be back with Duke and, you know, just, just uh, on the broadcast, calling the games, the, to me the most exciting part is everything that goes into it during the day. You know, you get here early in the morning for a 105 game today, it's getting the game notes ready, getting the stat packs ready, talking to uh, both managers, maybe a pitching coach about if there's a major league rehab assignment, all those different things, you know, how the infield plays now that uh, the infield was replaced by the Blue Jays going into the season. So all those different things. It feels like normal, um, so it feels really good to be back. But, yeah, it was definitely a, an interesting and, and long-winding road, um, you know, not even counting, you know, the, the fact that minor league baseball, as you mentioned, realigned. And now there's 20 teams in the division that the Bisons play in, not just 14 like there were before. Yeah, I mean, um, how have the Bisons as an organization felt about, the re- felt about, like, how minor league baseball has kind of shifted over time? I don't think necessarily that they had a lot of power in that circumstance, but, like, um, you know, the Bisons, you know, they're still in Buffalo. They're still playing. That is not the case for, you know, every single minor league team that has existed um, it, over the past few seasons. I mean, there were there were a lot of teams that simply did not have uh, sponsorships or did not uh, find a way to keep playing uh, in this reorganization. How have the Bisons kind of adapted to this new environment? How do they feel about it? How do you feel about it? Yeah, so uh, the Bisons are, are part of an overall group, Rich Baseball Organization, and the West Virginia Black Bears were one of the 42 teams that were not going to have an affiliate going into 2021. So it's something we've, we've been very cognizant about and been at the forefront of um, over the last year plus. Um, fortunately for West Virginia, they were part of the new draft league where a lot of college and some high school players would go and, and play almost like what was the short season league that you would see in a Batavia or uh, Auburn, New York before um, it started a little bit earlier. It ended a little bit earlier, um, but it was basically a similar type concept. So uh, it has been very unique and, and different and trying to come up with new ways to, you know, stay, stay relevant and, and stay uh, in a position where you're not 
you know, you're not one of those teams without uh, a dance partner, so to speak. So it's been different. It's been uh, somewhat of a, a, a unique time. But, you know, our affiliation with the Toronto Blue Jays is, is so great. And the fact that we're geographically just, you know, 90 minutes uh, if, when the border is open and able to, to cross it uh, easily uh, accessible to, to Blue Jay players to, to go across the border back and forth. So uh, it, we are lucky in that circumstance, but it, it, it has not been the case for everybody. And uh, certainly people with an earshot of you and me right now know that just as well as anybody. Yeah. Uh, I'm, and, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up Toronto because as much as the Bisons have to have these concerns, you know, horizontally in minor league baseball about where they sit in the plans of major league baseball and baseball in general and trying to ensure their stability. Uh, I mean, the, the Blue Jays had to figure out a place to play because they couldn't. And that puts a unique strain on an organization vertically that the Bisons and the Blue Jays had to find a way to get through that not any really any other team in baseball had to deal with. And it appears that both the Bisons and the Blue Jays, you know, really succeeded in coming through this in one piece in some very difficult circumstances. And the folks in Trenton as well. Absolutely. Here in Buffalo, you know, our going back to last year and luckily, unfortunately, with the no minor league season, but for the Blue Jays in their circumstance, fortunate to have a ballpark here in Buffalo that the team, the organization, the players were very familiar with and able to adapt it into a major league setting in almost record time, just a matter of weeks. And then, you know, the hope was that the border would, would be open. We'd be in a much better place come you know, the wintertime spring training this, this year so that Toronto could go home and play the entire 2021 season at home. But once we started to realize that was not going to be a reality, then all the plans went into place. And then, you know, it, it started to be, okay, if, if the Blue Jays need to play in Buffalo again, what would happen to the Bisons? Where would they play? They would have a home somewhere. And, you know, going back to the realignment of minor league baseball, a place like Trenton, New Jersey, which was the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees for several years, uh, was a prime location uh, in terms of the players being able to go back and forth with being so close to Philadelphia, even not that far away from New York. Um, you know, a facility that was up to what would need to be AAA standards. So, and the front office in Trenton, went above and beyond to make it uh, a good setup, a great setup for the players, uh, the staff, everybody. So uh, it was not only the Blue Jays and the Bisons kind of figuring out how to uh, make a home for Toronto here and what would happen to the Bisons, but then it was the ripple effect of where do they go, and Trent, New Jersey certainly stepped up. Pat Malacaro, play-by-play voice of the Buffalo Bisons, joining us here on the West Her Hotline on WGR. Pat, I want to talk about the guys who are on the team right now. I'm uh, per- uh, perusing the stats here of the Bisons, and I'm looking at the current players that they have on the team, and they have five guys with OPSs over 900. Like, are they just murdering baseballs? What is going on with the Bisons? Yeah, they've got a lot of good depth here, and it's not just a veteran player like Tyler White, who has really had a power surge over the last seven weeks and was a Triple uh, A East uh, batter of the week a couple of weeks ago for for what he did. But someone like uh, like Kevin Smith, who was a top prospect in the organization going into 2019, had a little bit of a setback in terms of his play on the field and at the plate for New Hampshire, and has really vaulted himself back into the conversation of uh, one of the top prospects for the Blue Jays. Uh, just wouldn't have a spot on the diamond right now because Bo Bichette is the everyday shortstop for Toronto. So I think a, a lot of it has to do with players getting regular playing time and uh, position players 
for the most part, who started the year in Buffalo, have played in, in this lineup regularly every day um, this season, and there's no substitute, especially when you did not have game action last year. You may have saw some of the rust have to get you know knocked off the cleats a little bit, so to speak, uh, in the first month of the season. But since then, for sure, uh, Kevin Smith has been one of the best Bisons. Uh, somebody who was injured for much of the year, Forrest Wall comes off the injured list and has a big game for the Bisons the last couple of days, including last night. So this is a very fun team, and that's one of the frustrating points if you're a Bison fan You know, this season is the team has played so well. They're in first place now in the division, and the way the playoffs work this year in AAA East, there's no playoffs, actually. Whoever has the best record in the league come September 19th is the league champion. The Bisons have been right around there uh, within earshot of that for, for the past month or so, and unfortunately for a lot of Bison fans, not able to see games in person. Now that they are, they're certainly seeing a team that's a lot of fun. And pitching-wise, fielding-wise, they're very solid there as well. Yeah, they're a game back at Durham right now for the league lead in AAA East, I believe. Um, and that's mostly, I think, because they haven't played as many games. I, I, I think I think they have the same record of losses uh, in terms of Durham. Uh, if, if somebody's coming to the ballpark, who should they keep their eye on? Today, it's Otto Lopez. He's the starting shortstop for the Bisons. And a player who has hit better than 300 in his minor league career, has had a couple of nice uh, at-bats for the Bison, seven RBIs since joining the team less than two weeks ago. And somebody who is, you talk about the scout into the, the manager, Casey Candell, about somebody who has a lot of tools in terms of his ability to play the field, uh, his ability at the plate. Lopez is an exciting young player that could find a home in Toronto very soon. So you look for him at shortstop. And then on the mound, you've got a lot of good pitchers. Thomas Hatch is supposed to throw uh, today for the Bison. He has a little bit of big league experience, acquired under trade from the Cubs a couple years ago. So you've got a little bit of everything to watch for uh, at the 105 start. I got one more technical question for you before I let you go, Pat, and it's this. Playing in Trenton as opposed to playing in Buffalo, how are the ballparks different? Did the did Trenton play differently for the Bisons? How did that affect their offense? How did that affect their defense? And have they had a hard time adapting to Salem Field? Because, you know, Salem Field has got some unique dynamics in terms of the wind and in terms of everything else. And also, you know, seagulls may be coming to try to kill you. So, like, what is it about playing in these two ballparks? Have the Bisons had really any difficulty in kind of adapting to these spots? There hasn't really been much of, a, of an issue yet so far. Uh, the field here in Buffalo, because it is uh, it was installed over the last year for the Blue Jays, uh, the outfield last year was brand new, the infield this year is brand new, it plays a lot faster, a lot firmer, the way that it would play in Rogers Center. So that was one adjustment that the players had to make, but they've actually done infield every single day since coming to Buffalo, something you really don't see in August for a team that's played almost 90 games now. Normally you have you know, maybe one day here or there, but the Bisons have taken infield and outfield work every day so far so that they wouldn't have any issues going from Trenton to Buffalo. You mentioned the wind, and that is one thing for left-handed hitters trying to hit the ball the right field. There's been noticeable, uh, a noticeable difference in, among the players of balls that they thought were well-struck that would actually end land in the Delaware River uh, out beyond right field at Trenton Thunder Ballpark. But here there are fly balls on the warning track that maybe the, the right fielder has to back up to the, to the wall again. So uh, that is one difference, but... That's the only one the players really have noticed so far. And, of course, that's not a problem at Rogers Center. So, like, that's, you know, you got to take that into account. If you're the Blue Jays watching these guys in Buffalo, like if you have a left-handed hitter and he keeps hitting it out and it just doesn't leave the ballpark, they got to think in the back of their head, like, yeah, but in Rogers Center, that's fine. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, you, you rely on so much more analytical data these days where there, there are machines, there's 
TrackMan, which is one one system to track spin rates and launch angle and all the different uh, pieces of data that teams use. Back when uh, I started working in baseball in 1999, you're relying on the daily reports from the manager, pitching coach, and hitting coach, and they're they're just telling you what your eyes tell you. And as we know in all sports these days, here in 2021, you need your eyes to tell you part of the part of the the equation, but you also need the data to tell you the other part. So um, getting all that information. Uh, to the front office in Toronto, definitely I'm sure that is something that, that helps when it's just not the eye test. It's not just one piece of information. It's all of them coming together. Okay, I lied. I have one more question, but it's your fault because you brought it up. So the Blue Jays, are they helping the Bisons install that kind of technology at the ballpark to kind of get that data? Is that the Blue Jays' responsibility? Is that the Bisons coming through with that? Yeah, that's the Blue Jays. And for fans that came to games when, when Toronto was here, they might have noticed these uh, cameras that almost look like security cameras on top of the dugout. And those are actually part of hardwired video equipment that, you know, previously the video coordinator who would track uh, the, the pitchers with camcorders, the, the hitters with camcorders, all that stuff now is kind of hardwired in so that it can all be received into a central location. And that's all done by the Blue Jays. TrackMan is something that is standard throughout minor league baseball at the AAA level. I believe every team has it installed. And, you know, for, for folks that are, uh, hardcore baseball fans, they'll know in the independent leagues, in the Atlantic League, they have tested out the automatic automatic umpire, the robot umpire. That's the technology that is installed in pretty much all 30 ballparks. So uh, it's, it's gained a lot more popularity over the last handful of years, but it's something that uh, the Blue Jays have added and uh, piece by piece put together here in Buffalo over the last probably five seasons. Pat Malacaro, uh, voice of the Buffalo Bisons. You can hear the Bisons today at 1 o'clock on uh, WWKB, uh, KB 1520. Uh, weather's going to be great, and uh, hopefully folks can listen in and get down to the ballpark and welcome the Bisons back to down. Pat, thank you so much for the time. Thanks for joining us. Always great to talk to you, Corey. Take care. All right, Pat Malacaro joining us on the Western Hotline. Uh, we got more coming up. Uh, Sal Capaccio joining us at the top of the hour. Advanced a little bit because his flight's getting in early. We'll talk to Sal about the Bills playing in Detroit and what he saw from his perspective on the sidelines. I'm Corey Griswold, TJ Luckman, producing at Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Discover a greater variety of music stations than ever before with Odyssey's new exclusive stations. From cutting-edge country to acoustic sunrise. Country and cutting-edge. And everything in between. Check out the new exclusive stations on the Odyssey app today. Not to get in a fight with my employer, Corey Griswold uh, at Sports Talk Saturday with you. TJ Leckman here as well. We're here with you until 2. Uh, Sal Capaccio coming up uh, briefly uh, to talk about the Bills game that took place yesterday. Um, not to get a fight with my employer, but there's literally nothing cutting edge about country music. Country music is yacht rock. It is something you put on even when you are on an actual yacht, when you are out someplace in public and you're drinking, that is the music you put on. And it will literally never start a fight. It is non-confrontational. It is background music. Everybody talks about the same thing. Everybody sounds the same. All the lyrics are the same. All the music is the same. It's the same. It's Yacht Rock. There is nothing. Like, there is, like I'm never going to hear a country music song now made in a contemporary way where I talk about somebody shooting a dude in Reno just to watch him die. Like that is not what's coming to me from country music right now. Right? Like it's just not, that's not, it does not go hard in the paint. Billy Eilish sang a song about wanting to do her boyfriend's dad. Am I getting that from country music? No. All right.
like it's just non-confrontational. It's soft. It's easy. Nobody, you don't, you never have to worry about what you hear. You literally never once have to worry about what you hear. It's Muzak. And I mean, if that's what you like, great. It's fine. Nobody ever gets, you know, every single, you know, it's just, I'm going to start getting into a fight. I want to get into a fight. Like, look, I'm sorry. It's just not, it does. It is not what it pretends to be. It is like if you country music wants you to believe that they will absolutely drive drunk in a huge Ford truck around a neighborhood at night just because they like to have a good time. And that is literally the last thing that country music does. Country music would never do something to get in trouble with its label like that. That is not that is not how it plays ball. So sorry, country music is the new yacht rock. I don't make the rules. I'm not the guy who's in charge of this, okay? You don't take it to me, you take it to the streets. That's just not, it ain't where you go for, it's where you go to relax and not think about the music you're listening to. Does anybody think about country music? Like, they listen to it, but do they, like, does it ever, like, make you wonder at all, ever, that it's taking place? Johnny Cash is probably the last guy you could say that did that for you. Like, and, and, like, country music after, like, 1985. Like, sorry, I'm Whatever. It's been corporatized. I'm sure, and I'm sure there's a bunch of people who listen to country music who would agree, right? Who are like, country music used to be a lot better, and it's it's not right now. And like, pff, sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but that's just where it is. Like everybody, like every place you go, and it's just like, yeah, we here's the music, and they just randomly hit a button, and it's just country music. It's because it's the mu- it's the elevator music. It's America's elevator music. is country music. Country's in a weird spot where like there's a lot of it. I mean, like every genre where there's good parts of it but that's just not the stuff that's making it to the corporatized radio station right so and i mean like i was at a trivia game uh a couple of nights ago and one of the questions was a picture question like who are these two famous dudes and it's obviously two country singers and like i literally was it brooks and dunn no it was not i would have known who brooks and dunn was and it's like it's just too it's not big and rich because the hat and like it's just it's just two random dudes who look like they could be any random dude pulled out of a corporate office and i was like getting viscerally angry at the bar at the trivia game because it's like this is popular country music these two guys who were made in westworld that like this is it these are your gods whatever Okay, it's 11.55. We have uh, Sal Capaccio coming up at the top of the hour. He's going to talk to us about the Buffalo Bills. We'll ask him some questions about how the dudes performed and anything we can take away from the game. I'm Corey Griswold. That's TJ Luckman. It's Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.